You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. Hey, this is the Interrobang Room. I'm your host, Doug Wither, up here with Zach Witt on this Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day, Zach. And every good CrossFitter knows that Memorial Day means means what? The Murph. And so for, (laughs) I know most of our listeners are probably, they did the Murph this weekend, but maybe, maybe for the one or two who didn't, um, give us a little bit of an explanation. What is the Murph? So the Murph is a workout used to commemorate, uh, Michael Murphy. Uh, so it starts out with a one mile run. So Uh, shout out to all of our, uh, veterans and families that, that have lost a service member, Michael Murphy, uh, uh, lost his life in Afghanistan, Correct. I believe in 2005. Mm. Um, so Navy, Navy SEAL, but yeah. this workout for, for, for Michael Murphy or Murph. So it, it's what? Yeah. So you start out with a, a one mile run followed by 100 pull-ups, uh, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and then you end it with a one mile run. By the way, you're supposed to wear a 20 pound vest uh, the entire time. And apparently uh, you told me you've got to do the 100 pull-ups all together. Yeah, unbroken. No. <laughs> no. Oh, good night. <laughs> no. Yeah. That, didn't, no. that isn't ever happening. Not unbroken. No, the way that it's prescribed or written is yeah. that you do all of the reps for that specific movement before you move on to the next movement. Because the last time we did it together, I yes. did not. I did 10, I did sets of 10, 20, 30. Correct. So I would do 10 pull-ups, then 20 push-ups, then 30 air squats. And believe it or not, that actually gives your, your that's, a, that's a significant difference. Significant. In fact, um, I was texting a, a friend of mine uh, this morning, shout out to Jake Norris. We had this conversation that if you break it up and you say you beat me, then you really didn't do the workout. <laughs> so, so it's 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 completely. They're it's two a, different it's workouts. Different They're workout. absolutely two. But diff- hey, it's it's still two fitness different workouts. And it's, it's still a cool workout to commemorate. Yeah, uh, Michael absolutely. Murphy. But you uh, you hit a PR. I did. Uh, so I was running with uh, a couple friends of mine, uh, Robert Yates and, and Coach Jackson over at Davidson College, and uh, hit forty six minutes and twenty three seconds. Awesome. So, so cool. So I did. I did it correctly yeah. uh, minus the vest but i am carrying about five extra pounds around my midsection so we're <laughs> gonna say go, yeah. we're gonna say i did it with an extra yeah. five um, do you remember your time no nah, i was a little bit over an hour uh, it's hard but, right oh it is it's a difficult workout but i was but i was pretty pleased with myself I'm no doubt a little bit over an hour without um doing doing the sets Absolutely. together doing like all, all 100 together and uh, the third member of our pod- podcast team, John Hernandez, is not with us today. So when you're not with us, you get called out. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, right. we're calling you out, bro. Next Memorial Day, we're expecting you to do the Murph. Right. Now, you can train up to it or not. Your call. but You got uh, a year. <laughs> you have you a, year, a year, John. Exactly. So anyway, perfect segue into talking about synthesis. And by perfect segue, I mean that the Murph doesn't have anything to do with, with synth- synthesis. But um, 
we started out with a three-part series on this, which has turned into a four-part series. I'm going to, I won't catch you up. Let me just say that if you haven't been following along, we've been doing a little bit of of a mini mini series on, on synthesis, how your brain works. Um, and when it, it is not involved in synthesis, we're actually not very productive and we're not very creative, but when we engage synthesis, which is basically the art, it's when our minds begin to connect dots. It's uh, when you're putting together a puzzle, it's when the puzzle pieces come together. So we've been talking about how do we do this? How do we uh, engage our brains in, in synthesis so that we can be more productive, we can be more creative, and we can achieve. Now, the nuance in all of this is we're, we've been recording these in the middle of COVID-19. We're in, I think, week eight or nine of, of uh, lockdowns, shelter at home. We're just, we're in North Carolina. Our broadcast location is in North Carolina. So our state is starting to open up up a little bit more, but uh, kind of my mantra, I'm a, I'm a pastor and my mantra to our congregation, um, to people that uh, tune into Multiply Family and uh, CFA is that is that actually this crisis has three layers. One is the health crisis, two being the economic crisis, and three is what I'm calling this silent crisis of drifting back to normal and that people are missing an opportunity to make significant and lasting change in their lives. And this doesn't just happen. So all, the, all of the average people and all the normal people are not going to self-evaluate, are not going to do synthesis during this time, and they're just going to drift back in. They're going to do the same things, be involved in the same things, live, live the, uh, the same lives. Um, the people that will win on the other side of COVID are thinking through strategically. Hey, what lasting changes can I use this crisis as an excuse to make? And Zach, one of the ways that our brains synthesize really well is just the the act of journaling Absolutely. or writing things down. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot behind this. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we talk journaling, um, the initial thought that I have is, is journaling is having that, that deep level conversation with, with yourself. Love that. I think a, a lot of times um, we don't know how to get our emotions out. We don't know how to process what we have internally because we've never put it down on paper. We, we've never written it out. And, and uh, Doug, you and I are, are very much uh, pen to paper type people. Yeah. I mean, we, we have our journals open right now. There's something about holding uh, a pencil or yeah. holding a pen and putting it to paper and watching things uh, process. And uh, you mentioned this idea of a silent crisis. Um, I would kind of add to that and say when we don't journal, when we don't process our own thoughts on paper, then we're living internally in that silent crisis. Wow. Uh, we don't we don't know how to process. The University of Rochester uh, correlated journaling uh, with uh, several positive uh, mental health exercises. It helps manage uh, anxiety, reduces stress, uh, copes with depression. Uh, it helps individuals prioritize problems and, and fears and concerns. The reality of it is, is when we begin to put thoughts on paper, our brain goes through that analyzation process and then it goes through that synthesizing process. It begins to put things uh, back together. 
So, so you are, you mentioned that, that we're both journalists. We are, yeah. I don't know that I see you very often if ever yeah. without, without that journal, whether it's taking uh, notes during a message or a meeting or processing a book that you're reading mm -hmm. or thoughts or different ideas. As far as the, that specific angle of like processing emotions, yeah. what does that look like for you? Because like, um, for those of our listeners that can't see you, I know we talked about uh, doing the Murph, but Zach is a ex-Marine. He's a top CrossFit dude, and he's got a pretty manly beard. So this is not <laughs> like this is not thirteen-year-old girl, dear diary. Yeah. Yeah. I feel kind of lonely today because right. I think that's what some people think yes. of when they think of like, yes. wait, I'm gonna do what? I'm yes. gonna <laughs> I'm gonna process my emotions exactly. in my flower journal in my flower diary. But that's yeah. not. But like this is this is an activity that um, everybody would do really well to engage in. It's like, all right, let's process some of these things. What does that look like for you yeah. as you're processing on paper? Yeah. So for me, I, I am very um, strategic and intentional with um, how I journal. Um, so I do have a, a notebook that's, yeah, it's going to be the books that I'm reading. It's going to be those, those meetings and, and those no, that note taking, but I have a specific journal or specific journals that I have, um, just put the, the good, bad, and the ugly down on. Um, I, I think it was a, it's a practice that it, it started, uh, for me, honestly, when my, my parents got divorced, uh, went and saw a counselor, and, and that was one of the ways that, that I processed. Uh, I, I wrote down how I felt. Um, and, and over time, it just progressed. It was one thing I, I vividly remember uh, being at boot camp and, and having a, a journal, um, having something to, to write on, even if it was just scrap pieces of paper at the time. Uh, but it helped me to, to process. And, and as I've progressed as a person and, and just um, through my life, it allows me to have very real conversations with myself. Um, through, through my dad passing away, that was a way that, that I was able to cope. It was harder for me to talk with people because when I talked about it with individuals, I, I was Pastor Zach, right? Or, or I, was, sure. I was Marine Zach or sure. I was what, fill in the blank. But when I, when I journaled, when I wrote it down, it, it was me, myself, and I. Yeah. And I was able to show just raw emotion. And I think that's what journaling does. It, it allows... Um, it allows us to put raw emotion down on paper. And, and what helped me probably more than anything wasn't just writing it down, but being able to go back to it. Yeah. And being able to go, wow, look how look how far I've come. Look how I've been wow. able to progress through maybe emotions or, or feelings or processes in my life. And and don't you think that that is especially important during a time like this? No doubt. Where Where we are trying to process emotions that we don't even know. Right. Like we've, we've got all the, all the emotions and that can be very confusing. How am I even feeling and helping people just to sort those out? Yeah. I think now more than ever, um, we are actually dealing with the emotions and the feelings that we've suppressed. Why? Because we're not going into the job site. We're, we're not having those face-to-face -face conversations. We, we don't have those masks on, so to speak, uh, in our, our old daily lives. We're finding ourselves at home a lot more. Yeah. We're finding ourselves in silent times where we're forced to process our thoughts. Yeah. It, it, and it does uh, ourselves a disservice if we just try to process them internally. I think too often we let those thoughts just roll around in our head. 
And, and I know my personality type, I'm worst case scenario all the time. <laughs> right? Like if it stays up top, if it stays between my ears, it's worst case scenario all the time. Uh, but when I, when I put it down on paper, um, I begin to let, again, it allows my brain to, to process, to analyze, and then to synthesize, to put things back together, to make some sense out of the irrational thoughts sometimes right. that I'm having. Right. Because when you do go back and, and I think that's part of the power of it is, is you don't just, you don't just write it down. It's the process of forcing yourself exactly. to go back and read those things because you'll, a couple of things will happen. Um, one, some things that were very confusing become more clear as you begin to mm -hmm. connect the dots, all oh, the pictures coming together. I realize why I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Or, or maybe you realize just the, the irrationality of the fear. <laughs> yeah. Like the fear seems so real when you have put color and language and picture. And like you said, you know, you, you, you roll this movie script and it just plays over and over again in your mind. And it seems so right in your mind when you write it down on, on paper. And then when you read it back, you're like, Oh, that's silly. Yeah. Why would I, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, when it comes to processing emotions, uh, I think one, or we tend, we tend to be in one of these two categories. Um, we tend to be uh, bottle up people or blow up people. So you think of a bottle of soda or pop, depend on, on where, what part of the, the country you're from. By the way, what was really interesting, so, so I'm from the north, I'm a converted southerner. Um, we used to call it pop growing up, and now I call it soda, because everybody down here is calling it soda, calls it soda. And, but I was watching an episode of Andy Griffith, uh -oh. and they called it pop. In Mayberry, North Carolina, and That's they weird. called it pop. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna write in and find out some <laughs> answers to that. But anyway, you can be when it comes to your emotions, we we tend to either be bottle bottle up or blow up. So here's what here's what I mean by that. Um, bottle up people are you take that you take that can of Coke or that bottle of Coke and just shake that mm -hmm. thing up. Yeah, we're all shaking. Like there are things that are agitating us during mm -hmm. this season. Um, economic things and job things and family things and political things and spiritual things and, you know, all of those things. So if we keep all of that in, man, all of that on the outside, everybody else might think, oh, everything's yes. fine. Everything's normal. Pastor Zach, he's got mm -hmm. to put on a game face on Sunday, whatever the case. We all, ha we all have that. I'm not just picking on pastors. We all have this game face no thing. But like on the inside. Man, there's all kinds of pressure. Yeah. There's all kinds of things. Blow up people are, you know, they bottle those things up. Nobody knows about it. Blow up are one thing triggers that. Set it's not off. even related, right? It's usually not yep. even related. And it's usually not the person that caused it. No doubt. But it's your spouse who just happened to catch, not Zach's spouse, <laughs> um, but somebody's spouse or somebody's, somebody's child, uh, somebody's child that is... Um, uh, you know, doesn't pick up the toys in the room and suddenly yeah. all of the stress from work that week comes out this blow up moment. So what journaling does is it's kind of that slow leak, right? If a, if a bottle of soda gets shaken up, it's that, it's that I'm going to take the pressure off every day, every little day, pressure valve. little pressure valve. Yeah. Ex exactly. Um, let me, same, same thing, but let me, uh, go at it from a different angle. So journaling, uh, 
if if we if we were note taking during this, I would say number one, what journaling does is it enables us to process, to be aware, to be self aware, mm -hmm. and to process emotions in a way that is healthy, um, that doesn't leave leave uh, collateral damage behind you when you process your that paper. The paper can take it. No doubt. The person might not be able to. No doubt. So before you hit send on the email or before you hit enter on the response on the Instagram post that you're super angry at, like um, those are real people on the other side of those social media accounts. You're, the paper can take it, like get it out on paper first. So, so it helps us, number one, it helps us process our emotions and to become self-aware. The other thing I think it does, it, it helps us in this formulation of ideas and creativity. So yeah. um, one of the, when it comes to creativity, one of the, uh, Stephen Johnson writes on this, um, but he calls it the fallacy of eureka moments. And, and he says that the history of life and human culture can be told as the story of uh, the adjacent possible. Seth Godin, who is one, mm -hmm. one of our, yep. our favorites, uh, says great artists think along the edge of the box. Um, Johnson says this too. He says good ideas are not conjured out of thin air. They are built on a collection of existing, existing parks. Par parts of existing parts. So, uh, you know, a lot of people I think have this great, you know, this, um, fallacy that man, great, great, uh, artists or great inventors, they're just in the shower and this boom, this great idea comes to them and they just have a eureka moment. Right. And what Steven Johnson does in his book, I think it's called the history of great ideas or where do great ideas come from? He d goes into all this research research and he shows that, um, that's not the case. Like, like 99 or whatever, 95% of the time, that's not the case. And so it's not eureka moments. It's this idea of a slow hunch. So for, for instance, um, in, in 1865, there was a popular Victorian how-to guide. Hmm. Uh, it was called Inquire Within Upon Everything. So every good British household ha had a copy <laughs> of this on the yeah. coffee table. And it was everything from um, how to put flowers together, etiquette if you were invited to a dinner party, how to, how to cure a headache, um, how to make a will, how to get married, bury a relative. It was like all of just all of these things uh, about life was in this manual called uh, Inquire Within Upon Everything. And there was one copy that was found in the 1960s in the home of a husband and wife. Uh, they were mathematicians and their son got a hold of this book mm. and he, he spent hours exploring this. He wrote, he wrote about it. He said he called it this portal to the world of information. Mm. So a decade later, this son of these mathematicians was working in a Swiss research lab. Uh, and he was over, overwhelmed by the flow of information and personnel. Like basically there was all this information. Nobody was talking to each other. This department had data that another department couldn't get access to. And it was all these silos. It was, a, it was an unhealthy work environment. So as a side project, he began tinkering with this, with this stuff that would allow him to keep track of all of this data. Huh. Uh, 
this application allowed you to store small blocks of information about people or projects as nodes in a connected network. So he started this project, long story short, he started this project, uh, he started, he called it Inquire. Um, never, never went anywhere, put it on the shelf. Then he reemerged and he called it Tangle and it never got off the ground. Eventually, eventually he hit on another name. Uh, the World Wide Web. <laughs> and, and that kind of changed things. All the way from this book yeah. that as a teenager, he stumbles across. But these are decades later. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't, it wasn't just that these ideas didn't live in his head. He was writing through these ideas. He was journaling right. through these ideas. Um, so Zach, as a as an entrepreneur, so you're not just a, a pastor, you're an entrepreneur. Um, I think you've started several businesses even just this year, yeah. right? Those don't, those ideas aren't, are they eureka moments to you or are they slow hunches and how do you process no, they, those? They're definitely slow hunches. And I would say that they're, they're slow hunches going back kind of to the story you told that, that are built off of, um, things that maybe didn't pan out. So just because something fails or doesn't work doesn't mean that it's not a building block to for you to get to X event, right? Uh, I'll go, I'll use my wife in as, as an example. Um, so she's started a business as well. Um, she started Wandering Whisk and, and the reality of it is she kind of felt that back in high school. And so she went through this process of, of working in bakeries, journaling about bakeries and, and, um, Here's a, a side note. Her grandma, when we got married, her grandmother wrote in our little uh, journal entry log, uh, in five years, I see you with a kid and owning your own bakery. Wow. And to, to see that kind of kind of come so to cool, fruition, right. um, but but no, it, it it wasn't just a eureka moment. Yeah. Um, it, it is definitely building building on something and. Um, other scientists have kind of labeled it the generation effect. Uh, so we remember things that we generate, that we write down. We can hear all yeah. that we want, and, and yes, that affects us. But when we generate something, when we put pen to paper yeah. and then allow our brains to step through a process to get to the goal that we want to achieve, um, it, it just it moves it moves that pendulum. Um, I'll, I'll go back to you mentioned the multiply family of churches in our network, we've talked about it and written about it for extensively you, you, for a year. You've probably, over a year. I mean, you wrote about it before, before you ever verbalized it. Right. And then you had to go through that process. And then when you kind of unleashed it to our team, there's been countless times that I've written. Uh, I was talking to a friend, uh, this past week and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I, I have a, a plan for 15 locations in five years. Like, go go figure, right? So, so how do we do it? And, and so that wasn't a eureka moment. Yeah. That was saying, here's a map. How do we put some legs to a process? Absolutely. And that's a great, I'd love to even spend an episode maybe just talking about mm -hmm. our process through that. Yeah. Because um, hopefully when this comes out, we're getting ready to 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 launch what this means so so what we're talking about is uh in our context not being churches that plant campuses but being apostolic locations that plant the gospel and um 
I know for for many listeners, they're like, "What? What, <laughs> what is that? that? <laughs> what does that? It, what does that even mean?" And I I get that. Don't but worry, that's just, we're asking ourselves the same thing. <laughs> exactly. But I'm just uh, Zach. As you're saying that, I'm flipping through my journal, and I'm you know I'm doodling our multiply church logo and and what is a what is a movement and you know i'm writing down uh quotes mm-hmm. and some of those quotes are from books some of those quotes are from uh from you guys and from when we're in meetings together and somebody has an idea we do uh we do prophetic prayer exercises and so i, I put that in there and just journaling uh, all through this and these are all kind of woven together through my you know, just my time with the Lord and, and biblical passages and devotional thoughts. But yeah, this multiply family of churches, I think it's all something that we're, we're praying deeply through, we're thinking deep, deeply through. And someday when we're able to say this in a sentence, we're going to be able to go back and like no con- connect the dots. Even we were in that meeting last week and one of our team members spoke up. I was just reading mm-hmm. off of our our document, our treatise, yeah. which is a 27-page <laughs> document. document. Yeah. Again, we need to get that down to a sentence, <laughs> yeah. a single, yeah. singable yeah. sentence. But I read that. Um, <laughs> this was I, I kind of chuckled internally. I read that, and one of our team members <laughs> said, boy, that's the clearest I've heard that. Where Where is that document? And the funny thing is, it was the same document. It was the same document that we had three months ago. Yeah. Um, but but and it was the same way that I said it three months ago. But here's the thing: what 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 was the difference? Just some time to process. That's it. So, what seemed to be put on the shelf maybe during COVID. Mm-hmm. Because we we've touched on it, but we haven't been every day diving well, into it, and it was just this lapse in time. And then somebody heard the same thing fresh, and it was like, oh my goodness, right. I get. Not that they didn't get it before; right, they've right. been one of the architects through it, but they heard it more clearly. Um, so just the ability to go back and reread some mm-hmm. of our thoughts and ideas, you're going to see them with fresh insight. Yeah, there's a there there was a study done by a guy named Mark Murphy, and he said that when when goals are written down, when things are put down on paper, they're 1.2 to 1.4 times more likely to becoming accomplished or or to come to fruition. But he he noted two different levels of writing things down, and, and one was external storage. The second one was encoding. So that external storage is very practical. You have a place for it to be filed. Yeah. You wrote it down on paper. You can go back to what you were just saying. You can go back to it days, weeks, months later and refer back to what you were talking about. The second one was very interesting. It was called encoding. And encoding is the biological process um, by which things we perceive travel to our brain's hippocampus where they're analyzed. And that analyzation Mm. over time allows for clarity. That analyzation over time allows us to then put things into uh, a a synthesis mode, putting them back together. Uh, So, yeah, we have to write it down. We have to give our brains time to process and to analyze so that we can synthesize later on. So let me just wrap up by giving um, um, 
what you know why why journal why write things down i would say number one for expectation i know that anytime i'm sitting in a setting and i have a blank sheet of paper before me i am expecting to get something out yeah, of that meeting out of that teaching out of that message number two to remember one of uh, <laughs> yeah. Mark Batterson says the the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Love it. So just write things down. Three, you talked about it extensively to connect the dots. How many dots have we just forgotten about yeah. and they're not connected? Um, four, I would say to those of, of our community that are uh, uh, have faith belief would be to develop confidence in hearing God's voice. So sometimes just writing, and I'm not sure if God's speaking to me or not. So write it down and then you can go back and say, Hey, yeah, that was, that was cool. God, God was speaking to me in that moment. And you develop confidence. Um, just so what to journal, you could journal multiple things, but, um, some of the things I journal are one scripture, uh, just about every day when, when I'm reading through the, uh, the Bible, I'll, a passage that jumps out at me, I'll write that down. I'll process through that, uh, book passages and quotes, ideas, um, impressions from the Holy spirit, dreams, yeah. Those things, things from others, Jenna's grandmother, you know, somebody tells you something yeah. like that or somebody writes something like that and just being, being able to write those things down. So I just want to encourage our listeners that maybe, um, maybe you used to be a journaler and haven't done that in a while. I think now would be a really good time to pick that habit back up to allow your brain to synthesize, to begin to connect the dots. God is painting a picture of your life but if we're not if we're not intentional about stepping back and looking at that picture we'll we'll miss the forest for the trees we'll miss the connect the dot picture because we're so involved in the day-to-day dot and boy during this time we are in, we are involved in the day-to-day dot it's information overload we're trying to navigate economics. We're trying to navigate health crisis, all of this stuff. I just want to encourage you, stop, synthesize, 20 minutes, start with start with 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, write down something and give your brain a chance to synthesize that information the way that God created your brain to begin to connect those dots, put the picture together and uh, to and that that's what one another thing that will help you just to live that life the the interrobang room right so the interrobang is is half question mark half exclamation point and it is become a metaphor for me of just living a life of enthusiastic discovery and that's one of the ways that we can do that is by journaling and synthesizing well. <laughs>